Hello and welcome back to the Something or Other podcast, a vaguely titled podcast with vaguely structured talking points. Yay, welcome to the third episode of the Something or Other podcast, a week after the second one. Can you believe? <laughs> but um, let's start off with updates, just like last time. Uh, first of all, thank you for the positive feedback yet again. Like, even just one feedback, one new listener, one new playback um, puts a pep in my step. It makes me feel like I'm doing something right, so thanks a lot for that. And I would like to start off by saying that I changed my rig. I have a rig now. How cool is that? Instead of just me and my um, <laughs> headset mic, I now have a proper rig, like a setup, a recording setup. Um, but even so, I'm still figuring this whole audio recording thing out. So please bear with me if the audio gets distorted or you hear weird noises in the background because my house is very loud and I have found the recording mics are very very receptive to external noise but I finally got a pop filter so that should do something about my plosives but probably nothing to help with my very enunciated s's (laughs) ever since I started doing this podcast I feel like I've learned a lot about audio recording in general, like, well, also with podcast publishing and hosting, but mostly about audio recording and what types of mics there are out there and um, sound editing. I've learned how to use Audacity, which is such a great and free tool. I love free software like AgeSub. That's another thing that I use, but Audacity is kind of like that. It's like a community-based, community-sourced type of software that people are continuously contributing to and there's a lot of tutorials online for it so I I started using it since the second episode I guess especially for noise reduction because like I said my house is very loud there's a lot of um, buzzing noises in the background because we have um, a we have this pond outside for our koi fish well not outside it's inside so there's a very loud uh, water filter and like a waterfall thing going on and that you can hear that all the way from the pond to my room which is on the second floor so that's mainly where the white noise comes from but sometimes my brother um, whose room is next door has this AC on and that also contributes to the loudness of it all and that's why I had to use um, noise reduction and I also have to record late at night like I can't record below 9 or 10 p.m. because the house will just be too loud um yeah thank god my family is an early riser though so everyone's conked out by 10 mostly usually but like I said I learned a lot about uh, audio recording and I feel like it's such a cool thing to learn something that's outside of your um, day-to-day like career or uh focus field you know Like, it's a fun little hobby to learn, and you also learn it quicker because it's not, like, this serious thing that you have to focus all your energy on. It's just something for fun, and that makes me learn a lot faster, I would say, (laughs) and it's just overall a lot more of an enjoyable experience. 
So with all the fun that I'm having with podcasting, I feel like I'm obligated to tell you if you're listening to this podcast and you have something that you've always wanted to try out, something you've always wanted to do, whether it be a podcast or creating a YouTube video or going into a business venture or investing in stocks or some other shit that people do nowadays, um, take this as your sign to just go ahead and do it because the first step is always the hardest, I feel like. Like, um, after you do that leap of faith, the next parts come easier. As I have found with creating this podcast, I feel like the hardest part I had to do was click that publish button for the first episode because after that, everything is just smooth smooth sailing. Well, not, I wouldn't say smooth sailing, but it's a lot easier than the first time uh, I set out to sale, you know? That's something to think about. You just If you just need a little push, take this as your cue and just do it, in the words of Shia LaBeouf, you know? Just do it. <laughs> I don't think that's what he sounds like, but yep. Okay, on to today's topic, so cue the interlude. So, what I wanted to talk about today was about internet algorithms, specifically internet algorithms and not algorithm in and of itself because that's a math thing and I don't mix well with math, although I think that's where the term originated from. I want to talk about internet algorithms specifically, uh, especially this one kind of internet algorithm that tailors your browsing experience and personalizes recommendations and search results and such uh, to make for a easier and more enjoyable browsing experience. But um, let me just start off by saying that an algorithm in itself is basically just a set of instructions for a program, just like a recipe or a how-to book. It's just when you input a certain data into a website, an algorithm is the one that decides what output will come out of it. And There are lots of forms of this algorithm on the internet, from typing search terms on Google searches to internet encryption and recommendations on your favorite streaming services or Spotify, Netflix, or YouTube, and even stuff like Google News or Google AdSense. And they're basically, I don't know, they're, they're, they're very subtle. Sometimes you don't realize they're even there unless you're looking for them or you're someone who's very paranoid in terms of internet browsing, which a lot of people are, but for the wrong reasons. Uh, These algorithms, they're very useful, but it helps to understand that they're there and be aware that they're there because sometimes it creates a bias in your browsing habits and your point of view when you try to understand something on the internet just as the same thing happens when you try to collect information in real life and there's a bias in terms of uh, information that's available to you and your views that are formed by said information if that makes any sense but I'm going to try to explain it a bit more later on but I wanted to talk about uh, I guess my positives and negatives about algorithms because I do like them in a sense and I guess more than the average person I probably 
go out of my way to making sure they work and they're tailored for me. An example that I would bring up about this is the YouTube algorithm. So you, you might hear a lot of YouTubers that make money off of YouTube talk a lot about algorithms and how some contents are pushed farther than others because of YouTube algorithm, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm not talking about YouTube monetization or popularity or trending. I wanted to talk about uh, your YouTube recommendation. I started watching YouTube regularly in 2012. That was the, the year I got into YouTubers, I guess, or in my book, that was when YouTubers actually became popular. And back then, uh, the way that the site worked mainly was that you subscribe to a person and then every time you launch YouTube, uh, they'd show you your subscription page and so you show you the newest videos your subscriptions have released. And that was how you watch content on YouTube. You, you get a list of all these people that you subscribe to and their videos that were released recently. But I think they changed that like in 2015, 2014, and they started focusing more on the recommendations page, which don't only consist of people you subscribe to, but also similar videos that the YouTube algorithm deems you will probably enjoy. And I have a love-hate relationship with the YouTube recommendations page. Um, I subscribe to a lot of people on YouTube and I find that the subscription box is gets very cl cluttered, especially when you're subscribed to like, uh, what do you call them? Like music companies and they'd release tons of videos per day and then your subscription box is just flooded with their videos and I don't have the heart to unsubscribe because I do like like watching <laughs> the videos that they release but anyway so nowadays I mainly use the recommendation spade and, and I just take whatever content it is that YouTube deems worthy for me to watch which is great when it works, it works because um, I'd watch compilations of Vine or I'd watch um, commentary YouTubers and then they'd recommend me similar content and I would like them, obviously. But another downside to it is um, the content that I don't watch gets gradually um, like put off to the side. And this is a problem for many YouTubers that don't, that aren't recognized by the algorithm is that they start losing views even though they work very hard on their videos and it's not because their subscribers don't like their content anymore it's because they've forgotten their existence because youtube has become such a big place like such a big content farm that you can't remember every single youtuber that you like watching and we didn't have to back in the day because we just open our subscription box and you'd see their videos there every week like just consequent uploads but now Everyone relies on the recommendations page, and so it sucks when the content that you usually enjoy gets forgotten, I guess would be the word, or like it's not intentional, but you forget them and then your tastes sort of like shift. Does that make sense? I don't know. Do you realize this? I think you do. But... 
I have such a weird obsession with this recommendations page that I would go out of my way to tell them that I'm not interested in a certain video. Like I'd say not not interested and I'd tell them the reason because I have this irrational fear that YouTube will start recommending me all the wrong things. And also every time I search something that's, I don't know, that's a bit weird or like shitty mainstream media, I would go out of my way and go to my settings and pause my watch history or pause my search history and so that they wouldn't count that into their algorithm when they recommend me something. I don't know, it's a, it's, it's a weird thing that I have. Like, I love the recommendations because they find me weird shit and like memes from six years ago that I never saw. And that's the cool part about it, you know? I personally like the fact that I don't have to go through thousands of Jake Paul or Logan Paul videos in order to find my favorite YouTubers, you know? Like, I like that personalized experience and I like that I don't have to waste time uh, shuffling through content that I might not like. And I do this on other platforms as well. And another thing that comes into mind would be Google News. If you use a, a Chrome browser, on your phone especially, they have this section in your Google homepage where if you scroll down, they'd have uh, curated Google News according to your Google searches. And mine is just comprised of like game stuff, consoles, a lot of Borderlands, a lot of um, TV series like Supernatural or other things that I currently watch or look up. So a lot of Legion, a lot of Marvel stuff. And that's great for me it's that I don't have to read news that I don't want to read and I can quickly figure out whether the One Piece recordings of the anime have started resuming again or stuff like that without having to go through thousands of just like I don't know Trump policies maybe but this is where the bad thing lies with um, algorithms I think is some people say that it's also become like a form of social control and it creates a lot of bias in terms of forming your opinions and uh, I guess habits in general. Well, for habits, it's obviously it works in places like um, Google AdSense. If you didn't know, Google AdSense is like um, Google Ads, but they tailor the ads into your interests and your searches and your internet browsing habits so they'd find ads that are more likely to get you to click them and it's a very smart marketing tool but it also changes um the way we consume things and as for the bias aspect of it sometimes news sites like when i say i use google news that are already curated for me it prevents me from actually looking at the bigger picture and what's happening in the world unless I proactively search for it, I won't know what happened, what the latest movements are, or if there's a war going on on the other side of the world. It's not something that they, like, share at you passively. It's something that you have to look for proactively. And sometimes it narrows your point of view. Like, you get this sort of tunnel vision that you think that nothing is happening just because you don't see it on your timeline let's say or 
on your Google searches or your news sites. If you don't see it, then it's not there, you know? Like just a very compact worldview, weirdly. And whether or not you believe it, there's actually a term for this very biased tunnel vision view of your social media world. It's called a filter bubble or sometimes also known as a social media bubble. So it is like, according to Wikipedia, it's a state of intellectual isolation that results from personalized searches when a website algorithm selectively guesses what information a user would like to see based on information about the user, such as their location, their past click behavior, and their search history, which uh, separates them from like information that they'd probably disagree with, like information that don't mesh with their viewpoints and in turn it isolates them in their own bubble that's only full of their own cultural or ideological condition this is what i wanted this is what i meant when i said this causes you to not realize of the problems that are actually going on outside and and so think about it this way let's say you use Twitter and you use Facebook and you follow a lot of say liberal people or open-minded people that are very similar to you and your views they'd see the world the way you'd see it like in your liberal points of views and open-mindedness and very welcoming and open but say you see your grandmothers or your parents or your like elderly neighbors Facebook account and you'd see these posts after posts after posts of just shitty news like fake news and hoaxes and political propaganda and that's a phenomenon that increases their exposure to said posts because they click on it they like reading them and they like interacting with them so the algorithm recommends them more of those posts and that's sort of like a very you know <laughs> I don't know what the word is, word is in English, like a satanic circle of death, I guess, like a deathly cycle or some sort of that. Like, the more you think that your results are personalized to you, the more your viewpoint is actually dictated by said algorithm. And that's such a sad irony, isn't it? I guess my message is to just be aware that this thing exists and be aware that it does good and you don't have to be so paranoid about it but you do have to bro broaden your views and your perspectives because sometimes you don't see the whole truth i think that about sums up everything and anything i can say about this i know it was all over the place but i honestly just have so much opinions about it that i can't really form coherent thoughts that are that come across very clearly so I'm sorry about that but that being said though I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and 
maybe you might have learned something from it. I doubt it, but it would be nice if you did. And thanks for listening to another episode of Some Other, and I'll see you next Saturday. Peace.